Did you hear what John the Baptist said in the gospel reading this morning? I mean, did you actually listen to his message? The wrath of God is coming. The axe is out and ready. Right now, the blade is against the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit is being cut down and burned. The unquenchable fire is raging. And that's just the beginning. Well, who is this John the Baptist? Well, just for the record, John was not a Baptist. <laughs> there were no Christian denominations at that time. John was really John the Baptizer. He baptized a whole lot of people in the Jordan River. Now, John dressed exactly like the ancient prophet Elijah. And every Jew knew that before Elijah, before the Messiah came, a prophet like Elijah would show up, who would be dressed like him, who would talk like him, so that the people would know that God was about to do something and they needed to get ready. Now Jesus referred to John as a prophet and that's significant because a prophet is someone who spoke boldly for God. One who wasn't afraid to say what God was really thinking. Prophets were, well, politically they were incorrect. They offered issued, often issued warnings of doom and impending judgment. And when John showed up, there hadn't been a prophet in Israel for over 400 years. Then out of the blue comes this fellow offering this provocative message. Repent! Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is his hand. He shouts, get ready. The Messiah is coming and he's going to judge the whole world. So you'd better turn away from your sins before it's too late. Well, I think after really listening to John's message, it's tempting just sort of turn to that Advent wreath with its two lit candles and see this season of Advent as merely a countdown to Christmas and not listen to John's preaching. I mean, Christmas is only a few weeks away. So maybe we can dismiss John's message as allegory or metaphor or symbolism. I mean, maybe it's just the rambling of a guy who spent too much time in the desert by himself eating grasshoppers. But all scripture is written for our learning. And all four gospels record John's message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And those words drew the people from Jerusalem, all Judea, all along the Jordan to John. And John didn't hold anything back. He told them how it was. He even called some of the names. He spoke honest if harsh words 
And he told the truth even if it hurt. So I want to ask you a question this morning. How would you feel if Father Wes preached like John the Baptist? What if he spoke the truth in a way that John did? What if next Sunday, when he stepped into this pulpit, he began his sermon by saying, Happy Advent, you brood of vipers. What brought you slithering in here this morning? You sons of snakes. Why are you here? See your friends? Make yourself feel how good and faithful you are? Are you here to give God that wish list you call prayer? I want to know what you're doing with your life. Don't give me some polite, banal answer. This isn't dress up or pretend time. This is serious. And there are consequences to the way we live and the choices we make. So, if you are here to change your ways, to live a different life, to really open yourself to God, then show it. And let that be seen by the choices you make, the priorities you establish, the actions you take, and the words you speak. If that's not why you're here, then get out. Crawl back in the hole from which you came. Now, what would you think? if Father West preached like John the Baptist? How would you respond? What would you feel? Well, a few of you would sit there and nod politely and let it go in one ear and out the other. But I think there would probably be a whole lot more of you out in the parking lot after churching saying, Father West has gone off the deep end. <laughs> what, what are we going to do about him? Leslie Creasy, the rector's warden, his phone would be ringing constantly. <laughs> Bishop Atwood might even get a call. And I'm sure text messages and emails would be flying throughout this congregation. There might even be a pledge withheld. Because that kind of preaching, those words, they're not what we expect when we come to church. We don't come here expecting to be criticized, judged, or made to feel uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes it's even too much to be challenged or held accountable for ourselves. See, what we would rather do is we would rather hear and think about the babe in the manger. But John the Baptist wasn't preaching a Christmas sermon. John, he doesn't mention a beautiful night with this bright shining star in the sky guiding us. There are no gentle shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night. There's no wise men bearing gifts from afar. John's not looking at a manger scene where the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. In fact, he seems to have even forgotten about the innocent, faithful virgin. And the name of Jesus, it isn't even mentioned in the gospel this morning. 
This is Advent. This is the season of wrath and axes and unquenchable fire. They're talking about his good news. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we show up here at church hoping, wanting, expecting to receive some affirmation, some approval, to be told how much God loves us. And God does love us. That's true. He loves us just as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. We also need to hear that God expects us to follow him, to live a life that pleases him. And if we're headed in the wrong direction, then to turn around. I know this whole message of repentance seems so old school. It's, it's fire and brimstone. I mean, one day there was these two old country preachers and they were standing in the road and they were holding signs. And one said, the end is near. And the other said, turn yourself around before it's too late. And this car sped past and the driver leaned out his window and he said, you religious nuts, get out of the road. And a moment later, you could hear the screeching of tires and the splash. And one preacher said to the other, do you think our signs should just read, bridge out? <laughs> Repent. That's rarely a message that we want to hear because what it means is we're headed in the wrong direction. But if you're headed in the wrong direction, isn't that exactly the message that you need to hear? We don't always need a message of affirmation and approval. Because after a while, that message starts to wear thin. Continually hearing a message of affirmation and approval, it keeps us stuck. It, it denies us a way forward. It leaves us hopeless. We need someone to speak the truth about our life, to awaken us, to challenge us. To be hurt with the truth is better than to be killed by indifference or contentment. What we need is a truth that says life does not have to stay this way. A truth that offers us hope, a way forward. We need to be reminded that we can change and that God is always coming to us. And John's the one who speaks that truth. His words call us to a life of holy discontent. See, John is not going to tolerate any religious game playing simply to gain a following. He's going to articulate a theme that's going to characterize Jesus' ministry as well. You remember, Jesus, when he began his preaching, used the exact same words. Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what's this kingdom of heaven? Well, this isn't a place. And normally, I know, when we think of a kingdom, we think of a place. 
So you think of the United Kingdom. That's a place, and you can draw its boundaries on the map. The kingdom of heaven's not a place, it's a power. It's not a realm, it's a rule. It's wherever the reign and rule of God breaks into the hearts of people, which leads to a change of mind and spills out into a new way of living. It's where what God wants done is done. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. Find the holy discontent in your life. Repent. Turn around. Look again. The kingdom is here. I think what John is really getting at is that we're too content with life. We're maybe even indifferent. Now, I don't mean we're content in the sense that everything is perfect, but that we've, we've settled. We've found a way to manage our lives, and, you know, at least on the surface, it's working. We know how to play the game, sometimes even win. We become comfortable, and we don't really want anyone messing with our life and our plans and our system. So we just go along to get along. Well, contentedness can blind us to the life that God wants us to have. It distracts us from that which is most important. See, the real issue for most of us is not that we're bad people, but we're too content. That's why every year at this time, we hear from John the Baptist. We see him before we see Jesus. We hear his words before Jesus' words. John's the gateway to Christmas, and we can't go around him. We must face up to him, we must face up to ourselves, and face up to the one who is coming. The facing up is at the heart of John's message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Be honest with God about your junk. Confess your sins. Tell the truth about the messed up places in your lives. How all your spending is selfish. Your anger's out of control. You did this. See, John's trying to make a point. Following God, that isn't for show. It's gut honest. And I think that part of our discomfort with John, with his name calling, his preaching of wrath and axes and fire is, or at least it should be, at some level we know he's right. When we look around at our world, read the newspaper, watch the evening news, and examine our own lives, we're confronted with the reality of John's sermon. Our lives and our world are not as they should be or as they can be or as God wills them to be. But just as with Jonah and the Ninevites, it turns out that even vipers can heed warnings and repent. So what do you find when you examine your life? What truth 
does John hold before you? What patterns of behavior destroy your life or your relationship? What voices distract and call you away from your authentic way of living and being? What things do you say or do that hurt others or yourself? How do you deny or ignore your own holiness, the original beauty of your creation? Where in your life have you gotten lazy, unwilling to ask and seek and knock? Do the examination to name the places and the ways of our indifference. That's the beginning of repentance. Repent and change, not because you're bad, defective, deficient, but because you're worth it. Because you've been created in the image of God, and God loves you, and God's coming. John's cry of repentance is called to turn away from our indifference and to engage at a life-changing level the coming kingdom and the way that kingdom reorders our relationships and our priorities. In fact, John's words are words of interrogation. Is our worldview or even our church view so small that if something does not directly affect our lives or those we love, then it's of no consequence to us? Do we care enough to change our lives and the world in which we live? Do we love enough to get angry about the suffering and the plight of human beings, even if we've never met them? Well, God does. That's why divine wrath, fire, and axes are good news. God loves us enough to get angry. And the good news is that our God's not indifferent. God's not indifferent to creation. God is not indifferent to the suffering and evil of this world. God is not indifferent to God's people. God is not indifferent to your life or mine. Wrath, fire, axes are God saying to you and to me, you're worthy of my attention. Your lives are worthy of being judged. I care and love you enough to get angry when you settle for less than I'm giving you, when you accept being less than you're called to be. And now under God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all just to ascribe might, dominion, power, and majesty, world without end. Amen. Amen.